this morning I want to encourage women. And I just need to tell you, there's no way to address every situation. There's, there's no way to address every situation, whether it's good or bad, positive or negative, sometimes extremely, extremely painful. I, I can't provide every disclaimer to reference past choices that maybe you've made that have an impact on your life situation today or that someone else has made that affected you that maybe you didn't have any part of, but you, um, you have been greatly impacted by a negative decision or a sinful decision of someone else. And so I just, I just need you to know I can't address you know every disclaimer for every kind of situation in there. I want to encourage women this morning, wives, mothers, you're not birthing people, as our society would uh, say with their fists to the Lord, birthing peoples. No. Women, mothers, wives, that's who you are. That's who God made you to be, and it doesn't matter what culture says. It doesn't change. It doesn't change. I want to encourage women with a, a biblical view and a portrait of marriage and motherhood that cherishes Jesus and, and Christ's church, his bride. If you're single, maybe you're going to be single for a good portion or maybe the rest of your life. God gives you grace to live a wonderful life, a, a fulfilling life as a, as a woman who may not be married for any number of reasons. He gives you grace for a close, special, fulfilling relationship with him. You're not missing out because Jesus is enough. Jesus is enough. The Apostle Paul, writing to men, but he's saying, look, I'm paraphrasing quite loosely here, but he says basically, look, I mean, I, mean, I would wish that none of you'd be married because you'd be able to focus more on the kingdom. You wouldn't have the, the distractions of a married life. These are good distractions, but distractions from just being solely focused on kingdom work. That's kind of what he's getting at. But he knows that's not the reality. Marriage and motherhood are, are good gifts from God. But they are not in any sense the sum of your value or the sum of your worth in this life or in the next. Women, I pray that you are encouraged today. Uh, if you're unmarried and you think you might be married one day, please hear me. Teenage girls, please hear me. But I know that's not only teenage girls. Please hear the value of who you are in Jesus, the value of prioritizing what God says to you and, and aspire to be what he values, aspire to be uh, what, what, what he would call you to be. Not perfectly. This doesn't put your worth in how well you aspire to a Christ-like uh, life as a woman of God. But it, does, it is a call for us to aspire to godly womanhood. Well, for you, for me, godly manhood. <laughs> aspire to that. Please don't pay attention to the cheap message of the world. Please don't pay attention to the cheap message, the degrading message of those around you. Everyone wants you to believe that your, your value is in your, in your physical appeal or the, or the scale or your charm, your ability to flirt your way through relationships, the ability to flirt your way through life. No, God has so much more for you. He wants more for you. Cast all that stuff aside. Look to Jesus. Not only will he, he save you, you'll save yourself some heartache, 
pain. But on a positive side, you'll be a tremendous encouragement to your brothers in Christ. You'll be a tremendous encouragement to your sisters in Christ. But it will come with pain. Because Christ's ways are not popular. Christ's values are not culturally acceptable. But they are truly best for you. So as we paint a picture of what this looks like this morning... Don't start comparing yourself to whether or not you you make this mark perfectly because that would be a discouragement. And my goal is to encourage you. But we encourage you. The letter of Hebrews says we, we, we consider, hmm, how might I spur them on to love and good works, being the, the ladies, the women that God has called you to be, that he has equipped you to be through his power by grace through Christ Jesus. Focus on your virtue in the Lord And as you focus on being a godly woman, men will start to men will start to figure out that they're looking at the wrong things. They're thinking on the wrong things. They're focused on the wrong things. It's not you're that you you that's off. It's them that are off. But that's the Lord's to handle. You look to Jesus, and you walk in Him, with your head high, strong, looking to His Word and trusting him in every moment. I want to ask you to listen this morning, as I said, not a a note-heavy sermon from that standpoint, and that's intentional. Dads, Matthew mentioned at the beginning of the service, but you're on kid duty, so uh, if your wives are distracted with the kids, do your part, or more than your part, uh, do everything you can, and let your wives really uh, sit back and and listen in well this morning, all right? So uh, I want women to be encouraged this morning with God's high call for gospel-proclaiming motherhood. God's high call for gospel-proclaiming motherhood and mothers. Be encouraged as we thank God for His grace when you've done well. When you've had a good and godly day as a mom, you look to the Lord and you say, thank you, God, for getting me through this day. Rest in His grace where you've missed the mark because you'll miss the mark. Your value is not in whether you hit the target every time. That's why we have a Savior who loves us and gave himself for us, to equip us, to encourage us, to save us. And you trust in grace for future faith by God's grace to empower you as you aspire to honor Christ above all else. That's what we're doing this morning. We're we're setting our sights on Jesus for you as mothers and as wives. 2 Timothy, the Apostle Paul writing, and he says, But as for you, writing to Timothy here, he says, Continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you have learned it. And how from childhood, that's our cue, to who largely taught him the word of God. And how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. That's it. That's our passage this morning. What can can we see here? Paul's encouragement to Timothy to continue. He's saying, Timothy, young man, his his protege, continue in the teachings of the good news of Jesus Christ and all of the teachings of the Bible that you have not only learned, but that you have firmly believed. This is not a simple, easy believism. This is not a a simple one statement of, yes, I believe, and then you go on living life here, however. No, this this is a firm belief. That, that finds difficulty the more you cling to Christ and the more you walk in obedience with Christ because it's counterculture, countercultural. It is now, and it was then. 
So continue in these things. But who helps you learn these things except a father and a, and a mother who have your very best interest at heart? There's no one who loves a child like a mother. And I'm a father who loves my kids a whole lot. But maternal love is a, a special, unique gift from God. Kids, don't start wondering if your dad really loves you. Your dads love you. <laughs> but there's a uniqueness for God's suitable helpers that he's given to come alongside their husbands and dads and love you. Timothy is the beneficiary of a, a multi-generational impact of a godly grandmother and mother. And he says, they have got and they have always had your best interest in mind in the Lord. He says, Timothy, I'm reminded of your sincere faith. Now I'm picking up some context from earlier in this, in this uh, little letter here. I'm picking up, uh, the, he says, I'm reminded of your sincere faith. It's a faith that dwelt in your grandmother, Lois, and your mother, Eunice. You see, I'm not making this part up. It's in the first chapter of Second Timothy. And now I'm sure that this faith dwells in you. In other words, he's saying, I've seen the fruit of your walk with Christ. And I'm so thankful to your grandmother and to your mother. Some of you might even want to pause even right now and just say, Father, thank you for a grandmother that taught me your word. If that's you and you're still able, go thank your grandmother. It's okay if you don't necessarily know the right way to say it. It's okay if... if you feel like you can't get through it because you're going to cry. It's okay. Because I can assure you, she said she, she's shed tears for you as she's prayed for you. Thank God for your mother. Because the faith that they have in the Lord that you now have dwells in you. Now listen, to be sure, a grandmother's faith without an individual's response to that faith and trust in the Lord doesn't make them a child of God. And that's where the tears come from often. Grandparents, I know many of you in this room who pray for your grandkids, just begging the Lord to save them or begging the Lord to call them back to their walk with you. I've talked with many grandmothers in that place, grandfathers too for that matter, and mothers Parents, we want it so badly for our kids sometimes, don't we? We just, oh, we just, we want them to know the sweetness of a walk with Christ. And then we're reminded of some of our earlier years. I put my family through some stuff. God's gracious. God is patient. Lean into him. Mothers, grandmothers, trust him. Wait on him and keep praying. Don't stop praying. He says, you've learned both the word of God and to trust the goodness of God to the extent that now, Timothy, he says in chapter two, verse three, he says, you're a good soldier of Christ. You're a good soldier of Christ Jesus and you share in his suffering. Second Timothy two, three. You've learned both the word of God and the priority of not getting entangled in the wrong pursuits. Verse four. Why? Well, because you're like an athlete who plays according to the rules. You compete according to the rules. You're a strong athlete. You're competitive, but you compete according to the rules, God's rules. 
You're, you're like a farmer, a hardworking farmer, verse 7 of chapter 2, who enjoys the first share of the crops in your eternal pursuit, in your kingdom-building pursuit. Remember Jesus, risen from the grave, because of the trustworthy saying that we see in verse 11 of chapter 2. If we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure with him, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful because he cannot deny himself. Remember these things, young man. Remember these things that you have learned from your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. Mothers will walk through fire for their kids. Now, some of you are trying to get all literal on me, but I assure you, I assure you in the circumstances and the things that you've walked through and the things that mothers endure, sometimes walking through fire means holding your tongue and letting them learn. Letting them make some mistakes. Sometimes holding your tongue, I mean, sometimes walking through fire means intentionally not holding. Yeah, it's going to switch. I see kids like nodding at their parents like, yeah, you hear that? Hold your tongue, right? Well, it's going to flip because sometimes walking through fire for a parent means speaking when it's really uncomfortable and it goes against what every other parent, parent is telling their kid how to act. It goes against what every other parent is letting their kid do. And you say, no, I can't. I must speak. Of all of they could teach you in the world, wonderful things, good things that they should teach you. How to be punctual so that you'll be able to keep a job one day. How to, how to uh, well, this one, you know, mothers can teach this too, but, you know, how to give a firm handshake and look someone in the eye when you speak. That, that's us, but moms can teach that too. How to stand still when you have a conversation with someone. How to listen when someone's speaking to you and give them the same attention that you would want them to give you. How to follow through on work so that when you work for someone, you're able to be an excellent employee for them. You have an entrepreneurial spirit and you wonderful you got to learn how to work for someone else first. These are all wonderful things. And they're all, honestly, they're all godly virtues because the, the, the core of them is rooted in biblical truth. But of all of those wonderful things, gospel-proclaiming mothers teach the Word. You open up the Bible and you read it with your kids. Now, there's been a lot of emphasis put on fathers leading out in that, and that emphasis doesn't change. But we know that often moms are spending more time with their kids than dads for just practical reasons, job, different things like that. And so it's not only the fathers. There have been times I haven't been doing a great job spending time in my word, in, in the Word with, uh, with my boys. And I remember a couple months ago, just very distinctly, I remember a time I was feeling pretty guilty about it. And I, um, I just came out of kind of the, our back kind of office area and just came out to the living room, and there was Sherilyn sitting with her Bible open. Braden and Skyler sitting with her, reading the Word and talking about the Word together. And my heart swelled with pride. I mean, good pride. Thankfulness, really. Gratitude pride for her. 
huge thankfulness in my heart. And so he says, remember the godly character uh, of your godly mother who taught you how to hold fast to your faith in Jesus, not just to believe in Jesus, not just to turn from your sin and, and trust in him as your savior, but how to hold firm to that faith, how to, how to persevere, how to have endurance in the faith. It's no small sacrifice that mothers make to prioritize the things of God in order to teach them to your children. It is a great sacrifice. It is a good sacrifice. The entire trajectory of your life is is different. The, 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 The entire trajectory of your potential future wife one day is different. The entire trajectory is impacted by your mother's decisions to speak the truth of grace, of, of, of God to you in grace and teach you the word. And it affects your grandchildren, your great grandchildren. Mothers, don't ever think for a moment that you're just affecting one life. You are making a multi-generational impact by prioritizing the gospel with your kids grandmothers with your grandkids. Mark it down. Because they mark your life. There there ought to be a part of the way you pray because of how your mom prays. You know, we, we grow up and we start to go, oh, my daddy used to say that. Right? That's fine. We laugh about that. Have a good laugh. That's okay. But you know, it's not only that. The good aspects of how you seek the Lord, of how you pray, a little bit of the wording that you've picked up from your mom, your dad. It's good. Be thankful for it. Treasure it. In fact, when it reminds you of them, thank the Lord for her. God, thank you for this. Thing that I think is an idiosyncrasy in how I pray. I'm so glad my mom taught me the word. I'm so thankful. I want to read Proverbs 31, 10 through 31. Now, ladies, I know what you might be thinking. I don't know what you're thinking. But I've heard, I've heard it said that while this is a wonderful chapter of the Bible, that it can be a discouraging chapter of the Bible because it paints this picture of the ideal woman. And and you read it and you go, I don't do all those things. Well, this is a fictitious woman. This is a, this is a mother telling her son, King, what to look for in a wife. These are the things to pursue. No one has all of these, and certainly nobody has all of them or any of them perfectly. But we read these passages. Remember, this is written by a mother for her son. I'm going to read it in the Christian Standard Bible, the CSB. Oh, before I read it, I I want to read something that's written from another woman to you ladies. Just some things I feel like I'm not going to be able to say in a way that gains credence with you. Not because you don't trust me, but I'm not a woman, and I understand that. 
at least Fitzpatrick uh, wrote a book, and I'm going to, well, I just I guess I'm going to do them right now. I was going to do this at the end of the service, but I'm going to mention four things right now. One is uh, Elise Fitzpatrick and Eric Schumacher, he's an Iowa pastor, wrote a book called Worthy. Now, this isn't a book only for women. In fact, a lot of men would do well to read this book. This book is, is, um, is a biblical theology of uh, women seen in the Bible, right? A, when I say a biblical theology, it sounds all fancy. All it does is it goes through the, the first five, five books of the Bible, the, and, and then it begins to make its way through the Old Testament, and then moves over into the Gospels, and then moves over to Paul's letters, and then looks at the smaller letters, and then looks at the latter books of the Bible. And it highlights uh, the worth and the value that women have in God's plan. Uh, Eric Schumacher makes this illustration. He says, for a long time, he said, I remember being a kid and uh, I, I figured out how to play with the balance on my radio. And, um, and I remembered if I could turn it to one side, I'd hear just the words. And if I turn it to the other side, I'd hear just the music on a split track or depending on how the track's put together, it's going to sound a little different. For a long time in our society, we've had it turned all the way over to capital M, man. And this book is not seeking to... These are very godly women, very godly men. They believe that God has created men and women equally equal in value and distinct in role and function. So they believe in, in that same sense what we share as a church family. But it helps to kind of turn the knob to help correct some of our perspective to a capital W to say, women, you're very worthy in God's kingdom. You're very valuable to the Lord. That's what we believe. Uh, but they've helped drawn some of this out of the scriptures for us. I've got this copy here, and there's one at the Resource Center. Also, uh, the ministry of motherhood, following Christ's example of reaching our hearts, the hearts of our children. Sally Clarkson, is a, she's a wonderful author. It's a great... Uh, a great book. And then Amy Reno, uh, several months ago, maybe six or nine months ago, I held a book called uh, Reclaiming the Sufficiency of Scripture and uh, by Rob Reno. And this is Rob's wife, Amy. Um, and they have a ministry called Visionary Family Ministries. Not so perfect mom, learning to embrace what matters most. Um, and so I just want to encourage you in that. These, I'll probably forget to take them back. So they're right here. Um, so if you want to make a donation, fine. If you need some encouragement, you want to read a book, take it. It's uh, it's yours for the taking, okay? Um, it sounds like a commercial day, and it's really not. It's just these truths are affirmed by others and, and, and painted well of by others, and we want to just put resources in your hand that, that help you with that. Anyway, so this book, Worthy, Elise Fitzpatrick, this is one section of what she says about Proverbs 10, or Proverbs chapter 31, verses 10 through 31. She says, rather than seeing this section of scripture as an exhausting punch list of, one's, of one day's work, we should view it as a, a portrayal of the relationships this woman of valor fights and works for in her life. She's not afraid to be strong, and she looks at the days to come and laughs with confidence because of her faith in God. Her words are full of wisdom, and by her kindness and her industry, she demonstrates the goodness of God. Although she's a queen who helps her husband as he rules, her primary goal is the expansion of God's kingdom. 
The wise woman shouldn't intimidate us. She should encourage us. She knows that the wise woman has many doors has many doors open to her, and she can walk through them courageously. Although this word is directed toward a son making a wise choice of his queen, and that doesn't mean marriage is the only way a woman can live a life of valor, as I've already said this morning. Maybe she doesn't have a husband or a family. Maybe she waits tables or cleans the office at night. Those things don't define her. Rather, she is a woman who is praised because she fears the Lord, because she has skills that she uses for the furtherance of God's kingdom and the benefit of her loved ones. Proverbs 31.10 Who can find a wife of noble character? She is far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her. And he will not lack anything good. She rewards him with good, not evil, all the days of her life. She selects wool and flax, and she works with willing hands. She's like the merchant ships, bringing her food from far away. She rises while it's still night and provides food for her household. And she portions her female servants, and portions for her female servants. She evaluates a field, and she buys it. She plants a vineyard with her earnings. She draws on her strength and reveals that her arms are strong. She sees that her profits are good and her lamp never goes out at night. She extends her hand to the spinning staff and her hands to hold the spindle. And her hands reach out to the poor and she extends her hands to the needy. She's not afraid for her household when it snows, for all in her household are, are doubly clothed. She makes her own bed coverings. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known at the city gates where he sits among the elders of the land. She makes and sells linen garments. She delivers belts to the merchants. Strength and honor are her clothing. And she can laugh at the time to come. Her mouth speaks wisdom and loving instruction is on her tongue. She watches over the activities of her household. She's never idle. Her children rise up and they call her blessed. Her husband also praises her. Many women have done noble deeds, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her the reward of her labor and let her works praise her at the city gate. Husbands, praise your wives. Husbands, praise your wives. Oh, I know you want all the glory to go to Christ, and that's okay. It's okay to give God-glorifying affirmation to people who are not God, to quote Sam Crabtree. Praise your wife in a way that gives honor to her maker and to her sustainer. Praise her in a way that gives thanks to her. Praise her specifically. It's good to say, oh, I'm so thankful for you. I'm so blessed by you. How? Spell it out. Do the work. Affirming her with specific praise is not about building her self-esteem. 
as the world would have you think. Building our self-esteem is a, is a worldly value, and it's a deathly miscalculation of how we're to praise our wives and what we're seeking as we do so. We praise them to give thanks to God for them in their presence. You know, there's the old joke that says, I told you I loved you on the day I married you, and if it ever changes, I'll let you know. Yep. It's funny, but it's sinful. Terribly sinful. I say, well, guys aren't really good with words. You were when you dated her. You put in the effort. You communicated, I mean, enough love that you're married to her. <laughs> you're capable if you want to be. Men. I should say, we. We're capable if we want to be. It's about affirming her decision to trust Jesus and to work hard for Christ in whatever honorable work and ministry efforts she makes. Affirm her effort, not only her success. Because at times we have great ministry plans or, or life goal efforts, and they, they just don't either come to fruition or we go about it and we misstep. That's okay. Affirm the effort. Affirm the drive to please Jesus in all that she's doing, even though in one instance she's fallen short, which, by the way, you don't have to mention. Affirm her effort. Affirm her goals. Affirm her, her Christ-honoring affirmations. She has to and she needs to know that you see her prizing Jesus. She needs to know that you see her aiming for Christ. Affirm her when she's exhausted and point her to Christ, who's never exhausted. She's not weak. She's human. And she serves a Savior who is inexhaustible. Step in so she can rest. Affirm her by stepping in for her. Affirm her by letting her know how capable she is in Christ. This is a good work of God, men. It's a good work. It's a godly work. Children, even if you're not a biological child of someone, but a spiritual child of someone, Maybe you're adopted, or maybe you're not in the family, but you're uh, you, somebody who has just made a spiritual impact on your life, and you would say, I'd call them my spiritual mother. He uses an interesting phrase here. He says, uh, uh, now I'm trying to find it because it's, I'm looking at everything here, verse 28. Her ch oh, that's right. Her children rise up and call her blessed. That, that expression, rise up, means something big is about to happen. Something special is about to happen, right? You ever hear the, the old, uh, hear ye, hear ye. It doesn't matter what conversation is going on. I mean, like if y'all were all chatting, right? And, and then we came up to start church and we said, hey, everybody listen up, hear ye, hear ye. You're like, well, that's weird, but I'm paying attention because, right? 
You ever been to a wedding reception and somebody starts tapping on a glass? Everybody's talking. Hundreds of people in the room are talking. And all of a sudden you hear this little ding, 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 ding. And what happens? The person next to it, oh, I better stop talking and help. Somebody's getting ready to give a toast. Somebody's getting ready to say something, right? Kids, maybe for you that's, uh, <clears throat> uh, I don't really know how to say this. I promise everybody will stop what they're doing and listen to what you're trying to figure out how to say. That's okay. I'm not demeaning you kids. I just know we're, you're, you're younger. You're different ages. That's okay. Awkward never hurt anybody. In fact, being willing to step into awkwardness to glorify God and honor someone helps convey the value of your love. So step into awkward. <clears throat> um, hey, listen, uh, I'm not really sure how this is going to come out, but I'm going to say something about my mom. All ears. Everybody's listening. It doesn't come out right. It's okay. I mean, the fact that you started will be enough for your mom, right? I mean, she, she probably won't hear what you say because she'll be crying because you tried. So try. Give it a go. Give it the old college try, as they say. Bless and praise God for your mother to her, in front of her, to the Lord, in her hearing, in front of other people. Be willing to do things that are uncomfortable to declare your gratitude to the Lord and your thankfulness for your mother. Mothers, we bless you. We bless you, mothers, as those who are blessed in Jesus entrusted to the Father and empowered with the Holy Spirit. Mothers, we, we honor you. We hope to honor you not only with our words, but with our actions. Mothers, this Proverbs 31 picture is written by a mother for her son to set his gaze on the right kind of woman to pursue and ladies, a cue to you for what kind of woman to aspire to be. Mothers, teach or continue to teach your sons and your daughters what kind of woman or, or man to be looking for. Not a checklist of everything they have to have accomplished perfectly, no. But generally today, aspire to be God-fearing and God-honoring. Laughing at the circumstances around because their trust is in the Lord. Let me get your eyes for a minute. Circumstances are hard. I mean, circumstances can be really hard. Which is why Paul's words are good when he says, so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, on what is seen but on what is unseen. What is seen is temporal. What is unseen is eternal. Jesus' mother, Luke 2.52 tells us, Jesus grew in stature and in wisdom. His mother had a great impact on that. And surely he was growing in the spirit as well. Oak Grove as a church, value the right virtues. Value the right ones. Mothers and fathers teaching their kids in biblical community, teaching the right virtues. Value the, the power from which it all comes, the Holy Spirit, and keep in step with the Spirit so that you're not tempted to gratify, excuse me, you will be tempted, so that you don't gratify the desires of the flesh. 
And trust God in his wisdom by calling you mothers and fathers to teach your children. Do not disregard God's wisdom, but cling to it. Don't think, well, I'm not enough to teach them these things. You are. God gave them to you. And we bring in biblical community to support and to help and equip and encourage. Cling to God's wisdom. Trust him as your children's lives in Christ. Depend on him. And the future of Oak Grove Church depends on our young people growing up to know and love and walk with Jesus, supported by older generations who love them and will support them when they fail, but who will love them to the shore of eternity.